What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. That what we do on Sundays isn't just done on Sunday, but it actually ends up speaking to your Monday through your Saturday. That's, what, that's, that's our goal. That's our goal. We're not just trying to fill your space. We're not trying to tr- uh, check anybody's religious box. It doesn't do you any favors just because you showed up to church and did church. When you lean into the environment, we believe there's something here for you. We believe that God desires to do something special in your hearts today. It doesn't matter if last week was great because guess what? Last week is gone. We got another week ahead of us. You got another week of challenges, victories, things that are ahead of you, and we need everything that God has for us today to prepare us for this week. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. So we're going to get into it, and, and uh, go with me. We're going to go in the Old Testament. Um, I'm still in Joshua. I can't, I, can't, I can't get away from Joshua, and that's where we are today. So we're going to go to the book of Joshua, chapter 7. And uh, if, you, if you have a Bible with you, if you don't, we always encourage people, download the, the free YouVersion Bible app. We didn't make it. We didn't have to. Somebody else did, and I'm grateful for it. So it's free, and it has the, the Bible on your phone all the time. That way, wherever you are, it's at your fingertips. And, uh, and, and if nothing else, hopefully we'll have it up on the screens for you as well. Does that sound good? Joshua chapter 7, it's closer towards the beginning of your Bible if you're looking at a physical Bible. And, um, and so we're, we're going to get into that. I actually want to pray for you first. Sometimes I mix up the order. I want to pray for you first. And this is why we pray before we really get into the message. And it's because we're not just up here having a conversation about our thoughts. We're not up here just giving you some opinions and some ideas. We, we're really believing that the Word of God's alive, it's active, it's living. That what, what is in this book, or should I say what's in these 66 books, that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit are the things that we need for our life today, okay? So that's why we get into it. So let's pray. Go ahead, put your hand on your heart. Father, we, we ask that you would help all of us today, God. We, we know that, uh, that in this room, Father, there's individuals from every background, every walk of life, online as well, Father. And we just pray that you would visit us today wherever we are and help us to open up our hearts to you. Um, open up our minds, God. I pray that even the things that we hear today, Lord, that you would remove any barriers, anything that is keeping us from receiving that revelation of who you are. And so, Father, we pray today, Lord, just for clarity. Holy Spirit, I ask personally that you would just, just take out of me whatever it is that you're trying to say today, that you would draw it out, Father. It's in your word. You've spoken. You've given it to me. Just help me, Father, to, to get it out today in a way that, that helps somebody. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we're in Joshua chapter 7. And uh, I'll start reading here in verse 1 of this particular chapter. And uh, it says, But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. Now, hold on a second. That kind of sounds like you're stepping in the middle of a story, doesn't it? Okay, can I, give you, can I give you the cliff notes leading up to this? And I'll be honest with you because this has been a chapter that I like to skip over because there are other things that I want to get to, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So, so let me give you the cliff notes of the first six chapters of the book of Joshua. So the first thing is first, Joshua chapter 1. Who here has heard of Moses? You've heard of this guy named Moses. There's been movies made, uh, all, all types of stuff. 
Charlton Heston did a fantastic job. Anyway, so, so Moses dies. When Moses died, somebody had to step in and take his place. And so God appointed a man named Joshua who used to serve Moses, and now it was Joshua's turn. So chapter one, you got Joshua showing up. I think he's nervous, he's terrified, he's intimidated to fill those shoes, and God speaks to him. How many of you know it's a good day when God speaks to you? You're like, okay, how many, I want to hear more of that. Well, there's a way, but that's not what we're talking about today. So, so God speaks to, to Joshua, says, be strong, be courageous, for I am with you. Everywhere you are, your own land that I have given you. Okay, Joshua's starting to feel a little bit better, right? He's starting to get some confidence in his leadership. And, and then he tells all of the nation of Israel, he's like, all right, come on, nation, get ready, prepare ourselves. We're getting ready to go into the promised land. So you get into chapter 2 and chapter 3, and they got to cross the Jordan River. And it's not like the little dry part of the Truckee that's easy to get over. This was flood stage. It was massive. And remember, if you go back a little bit earlier in Exodus, there was a little miracle that God did through Moses where he parted the Red Sea and the nation of Israel went across. Well, well, now Joshua was having his moment. And the same thing, it says the guys that carried the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the edge of the Jordan River at flood stage. And it says that the water stood up on one side and it flowed through so that the entire nation of Israel yet again walked into the promised land on dry ground. So if that happens in your life, whatever miracle you need, you're starting to feel pretty good. You're like, wow. God's speaking to me. I feel I'm strong. I'm courageous. All right, we're going to do this. Boom, water's parting. You're like, this is fantastic. And then they go into the, and they, they camp out in the promised land, and they see, okay, there's Jericho ahead of us. That's going to be the first battle they have to fight to kind of take territory. And so they go, and God, God speaks again, and God gives them strategy, and God tells them to do something that's not very, not very good military strategy. He says, just walk around this city once a day for six days and stay quiet. And then on the seventh day, do it seven times. And then after the seventh time, then you're going to shout and scream and go crazy. And the walls are going to fall down and you take the land, piece of cake. Horrible strategy. But they do it. And guess what happens? They con- just what God says, they conquer one of the biggest enemies they would have to face as they are going into the promised land. How many of you have ever experienced a massive victory in your life that gave you so much strength and courage for what was ahead of you? Like, or maybe it was just one day. You're just like, this is the best day ever. Maybe it was Disneyland. I don't know what it is for you. But you had the best day ever and something happened. And then all of a sudden you wake up the next day. And instead of having what used to be fear and trembling and this desire inside of you that said, I need to seek God. I have to seek God. If I don't hear from God, I'm not going to make it through the day. Well, you just had a really good day. Now you wake up and you're feeling a little bit more confident. Now, how many of you have found yourself in a situation where what you used to see God for in a moment of courage, you actually feel like, okay, I'm good now. I don't need God anymore for this. This isn't big enough for God. I can handle this myself, only to realize that you overestimated your own abilities. And so they get into, they conquered uh, Jericho, and, and, and also a little side note, a little important side note, God said, listen, Normally when you go into a, a kingdom or a territory and you conquer something, you can, there's spoils, you can, there's plunder, you can you go for it. But, but God told him for Jericho, for the very first, the first fruits of what they were inheriting from the Lord, God said, this all belongs to me. Nobody is to take anything from this victory. This all belongs to me. They're like, all right, you got that? Everyone's like, sure, got that. So they go, except for one guy. The one guy. There's always one guy. There's always that one person that screws it up for everybody else. When you're in school, the whole class is being good, but you got the one kid that's acting up in class, and everybody gets detention. 
which it was never me, by the way, <laughs> if you can believe that. There's always that one guy. But, but they're coming, and so, so they get up to the end of chapter 6, and their next battle ahead of them is going to be literally the smallest enemy they would have to defeat. Now, if you just came off of defeating a big enemy in your life, and the next one that's directly in front of you is teeny tiny in comparison, you're feeling kind of puffed up. You're like, I got this. This is no problem. As a matter of fact, instead of Joshua going and seeking the Lord, he just sent a couple of his guys out, and they came back, and they said, Joshua, don't even worry about it. We don't even need our whole army. About 3,000 guys, we can go up there. We'll be back by lunch. They go up, and they get their tails handed to them. And they come back. They actually lost 35 lives in the battle. And they were discouraged. So you go from, we're having a great day. Everything is going great. God is with us. Victory. To all of a sudden, you're like, we can't do this. And this fear begins to set in. And all of a sudden, doubt begins to creep back in. And that's where we find ourselves going into chapter 7. Okay, is that good enough cliff notes? It's actually a little bit more than I was planning, but, you know, you start storytelling. Anyway. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things so that the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Camry, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. That's in there because they want you to be able to see where this individual was coming from in the community. Joshua sent some of his men, which is apparently I got ahead of myself in the storytelling. Joshua sent some of his men to Jericho, uh, from Jericho, to spy out the town of Ai east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. And when they returned, I don't see any prayer in here, do you? God, what do you want us to do? No, it's because Joshua's feeling really confident. So they returned. There's no need for us to all go up there. It won't take more than two, 3,000 men to attack Ai since there are so few of them. Don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors was, were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were, here we go, paralyzed with fear at this turn of events. Anybody ever experienced some turn of events in your life? And it says, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothes in dismay and threw dust on their heads and bowed, uh, bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until the evening. And then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you were going to let the Amorites kill us? Here we go. This is where our mind starts creeping back in. If we had only been content to stay on the other side. Wow. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies for when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. Doesn't sound so strong and courageous all of a sudden. But then what will happen to the honor of your great name? He got God's attention. And then the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but lied about it and hidden the things. Somebody say hidden things. Hidden things from among their own um, belongings. And that is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. That should get his attention too. And I will, not, uh, I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things, somebody say hidden things, among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up, command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of, of Israel says, hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. 
and you will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. Hidden things. Anybody remember playing hide and seek growing up? It's the best game. Still, still play. There's no shame. There's no shame in that. It was a great game. There's hiding and there's seeking. Hence the name, the branding that came along with this particular game. It was clever. But I'm gonna, um, I'm, I get the, uh, the title for today's message is a little bit different. Instead of hide and seek, it's hide or seek. And you can write that down, hide or seek. Because the reality is, and when it comes to uh, your relationship with God, when it comes to your existence, your purpose, you can't hide and seek. You can only do one or the other. You can hide or you can seek. Last week, uh, even though, yes, it was just one week ago, uh, last week was Vision Day here at Convo Church, and, and that's when we celebrate all the things that God did in the year before, and we talk about the things that God is showing us for the year that's ahead of us. And, and every year, Kara and I always ask God like for a, like a word, a phrase, a theme to kind of encapsulate what we feel like God is speaking to us for this year ahead. And, uh, and, and the theme for, for this particular year is taking ground. It, it's, it's not just, hey, let's come up with something clever and catchy. No, it's we're looking for what's the prophetic vision that God is speaking to our church. And honestly, most of the time, and we noticed this even last year, that what God is speaking to us, we actually end up seeing that begin to pop up in other places around the church world. And, and that's usually because God's doing something bigger in his big C church where we're just a part of it. We're just a part of it. So taking ground. And one of the big initiatives that came out of last weekend that we'll continue to unpack for, uh, for the near future is, is the initiative of my community, my responsibility. And uh, just kind of under or, or estimating the, the power of us being able to literally put our feet on our city and walk out areas and pray the will of God over our city and believe that literally through God's people mobilizing in prayer in our city, we can see transformation happen. We believe it. We believe it. And we're not just trying to recreate Jericho either. <laughs> but there's power in moving your feet and realizing that as, as, a, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, where you place your feet with intentionality, you are standing on ground that God has already given you. Sometimes we walk around thinking that we're on somebody else's territory and we, we give up authority and we give up power and who we are and what God's called us to do. But when we begin to realize who we are, and who God says we are, our identity in Christ and the authority that comes with that and the power that we get to walk in, it changes, it changes everything. <clears throat> so um, most of the time as I look back in reflection on my life, there have been moments that I want to forget. Has anybody ever had those? <laughs> Pages in your own personal history book that you're like, let's just go ahead and, let's go ahead and get rid of this one. And uh, moments either that you weren't proud of or moments where something, then, something that hurts you, that you, you're like, I, I just would rather not f uh, focus on that at all. And what's ironic is, even though I've been stuck in the book of Joshua, you know, I, it's really encouraging to read chapters 1 through 6. And honestly, it's pretty encouraging to read chapters 8 on. But I've always found myself, when I got to this chapter 7, being like, no, nah, I'm not really interested in this part. 
I'm not really interested in the, in the failure and loss. I don't want to focus on losses. We want to focus on winning. But you know what's ironic is that when you look in culture, the most successful leaders, the most successful champions, the most successful teams, whoever you want to, to categorize, are those who are able to learn more from their losses. They don't ignore the losses. You talk to somebody like Michael Jordan, and he wants to tell you about how many game-winning shots he missed. Or you want to talk to, um, sorry, Moses, you want to talk to Tom Brady about Super Bowl rings. He's not going to talk about the ones he won. He's going to talk about the ones he lost. You know, you, you talk to some successful CEOs, and they're not going to tell you about their brilliant ventures and their negotiating. They're going to talk about the deals that they blew. You know, there's something about understanding the power of when we have a loss that can catapult us into successes for what's ahead of us. And honestly, it's those that are usually, those that are usually stuck in life are the ones who only want to focus on the good times that they've had. And they live in this delusional reality of the, of the things that are challenges in their life, missing the point that those are the very moments and items that could catapult them to success in the future. Ever been to a high school reunion? And there's always a group of people that oh, they just want, they want to talk about the party, they want to talk about the big game, they want to talk about the good old days. And, uh, and meanwhile, you're like, you know, so what about now? You know, how's, how's life now? Don't worry about life now. Hey, you remember that? You know, they just, they're always wanting to go back. They're always wanting to talk about something else. We got to have those moments. And even though in, as studying and preparing for today, and not even just for today, but even in the weeks and the months ahead, I wanted to get past that chapter. I'm like, let's just just go to the next plan. Let's just go to the next victory. Let's go to the next win. Let's build faith with wins. We can also begin to realize that God's doing something bigger, even if we can find where God is in the losses that we've experienced. I think one of the greatest failures within within the heart of a Jesus follower is when we, we have this idea that in the moments of losses and failures, well, it's because God wasn't there. Usually in those moments, God's actually screaming the loudest, but we've decided that we're not listening. For whatever reason, there could be a multitude of reasons. But as we, as we focus even for ourselves on this particular period of time and, and wanting to take ground, like I, this year I, I believe, and we, we put out a, a prophetic word that I believe God gave us, and we shared it last week, we put it out there in our, our podcast and all that type of stuff so you can see it. But, man, God is speaking powerfully about this year being one of the most uh, successful years of growth in the kingdom of God that, that we have seen. That we are literally living in times of revival. And that it's not necessarily going to look like maybe what we've experienced in years past. It's not going to look like the good old days of revival. It's not going to be a repeat of another move of God that happened at a different time because God's doing a new thing for a new time. <clears throat> but God spoke to me specifically as I was going through that chapter and reluctantly. I've actually had it on my mind for about a month and I keep getting around it, keep skipping it, keep <laughs> trying to figure out how can, we, how can we continue to grow without talking about this particular chapter. And God said it's the details of the defeat that show you the path of victory. It's the details of the defeat that show you the path of victory. So human nature wants to hide our defeats it wants to present ourselves as a winner all the time. And if you don't believe it, all you got to do is look at social media. Selfies from the gym from somebody who's been three times in the last year. And they're like, no pain, no, you know, hashtag no pain, no gain. And you see it and you're like, man, I just, that person's so much better than me. I just, why can't I go to the gym? They've only been two, three times this year, okay? 
Like, do you really think that that family that you follow on Instagram always has a clean house, that their kids always look fantastic and are well-behaved, and that you're like, man, I just, I never have a family like that. <laughs> well, neither do they. That's the reality. The mom, you know, the, the mom on Instagram, who's, she's always got her makeup done. Her laundry's always empty. You know, her husband's always being nice to her. <laughs> you know, the kids are always just quietly doing homeschool, and they love their life, and they honor their mother. You know, no, that's just... That's, not, that's 20 filters, that's 72 videos that she took, 71 of them that got deleted, until she finally got her kids to shut up for long enough to make it look like she's got her stuff together. <laughs> if I can't get an amen off of that, I don't know what to do today. I don't know what to do. But it's the truth. Chapters 1 through 6 of Joshua was the Instagram feed. You know, hey, just Joshua, hey, just coming to you live from the battlegrounds today. Didn't lose a single person. Yeah, you've heard of Jericho? Hashtag Jericho no more. You know, it's like, and people just like, you know, liking it, liking it, sharing, sharing. Joshua, will you come, you know, speak at our church? You know, it's those type of things going on. But that was Instagram. It wasn't, that, that wasn't about to be their reality. It changed, it got transformed. But, you know, chapter 7 wasn't showing up on the feed. No matter, how, no matter how great things start, we can't continue to take ground when there are hidden things in our life that bring destruction. How, 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 how did they get from such a quick turnaround from success and victory and celebration to feeling like all their courage had melted away? Joshua said, man, we would be better off if we had just stayed on the other side of the river, which is ironic because the last generation that came out of the wilderness when they were in the wilderness said, man, we'd be better off if we just stayed in Egypt. Whenever you face a defeat, you always forget how good you have it now compared to where you came from. Whenever you experience a challenge, the first thing you always think about, you, you, you romanticize the past, even though when you were in the past, you were like, God, get me out of here. God, I will do anything. I, I, will, I will serve you all the days of my life. I will give you everything. I'll go to church 52 weeks this year. Come on, God, do something for me until we get smacked in the face. And then we're saying, man, I would just wish I'd just stay back over here. I wish I'd never step back. You know, at the beginning of the year, you start praying, God, this year, would you use me? God, would you use me? And then a month later, you're just like, God, I just feel used. I feel like, I just feel like you're just using me. Yeah. You just, then you just, But the, reason, but the reason why Israel went and had such a significant turnaround of events was because God knew that there were some things hidden in their hearts that would completely disrupt and corrupt what he desired to do for them if they didn't deal with it. And in this particular situation, yeah, with Achan, with this, with this particular individual, yeah, it was, it was him taking some goods from Jericho. But as you learn throughout Scripture, especially through the way that Jesus interacts in the Gospels, but the theme is consistent from Genesis to Revelation, is that God's not actually concerned with the things happening on the outside. Because what's happening on the outside is the product of what's taking place on the inside. God could have cared less what Achan took. What he cared about was the condition of Achan's heart. 
and that he was willing to not trust God and to be greedy about things that he wanted. Well, here's the, here's the irony about what Achan did. The very next town and the very next, the kingdoms all afterwards that they were able to defeat, guess what? They got to take as much plunder as they wanted. How often do we, because we lack trust that God's going to do what he actually said he's going to do, we take and we hoard and we take steps that actually end up dishonoring what God is asking us to do because we don't actually trust that God's going to come through with what he said. But if we take that step of faith to say, God, I, don't, I honestly don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust you in this next step. I'm going to believe that you said you're going to do what you said you're going to do. And I'm going to take the step of faith, even if it costs me everything. And we get past that step, and God is faithful, and he's the one that comes through. And he's the one that says, listen, thank you for trusting me in that step. Now watch what I do as I blow up in my blessings in your life every other step that you take. God is faithful, guys. God is faithful. But before we can take ground, we have to remove the hidden things. We have to remove the hidden things. And I just want to kind of pose this question to you. And, and I'm not, not trying, well, no, I, I take that back. I'm trying to get deep. I'm trying to dig deep because the hidden things are never on the surface. The hidden things are the things that we know about but nobody else knows about. The hidden things are even sometimes the things that we thought we dealt with but maybe we actually didn't. We just talked about it, got prayer one time, and then we just kind of shoved it under the carpet and kept moving on. God's trying to get at something, y'all, and I'm telling you, there's ground that God desires for you to take. If you're watching online, there's ground that God desires you to take. There are things that God has for you in your life that if you're not willing to give up the hidden secret things in your life, that are creating distance between you and between God and even between others, you will not be able to see the victories that God has already provided for you. If you trust him in these little things, God's going to come through in the bigger things. But I know, I know how it works because we're human beings, right? In our nature, we have fear, right? We're afraid, well, what if the hidden things come out? What if somebody knows about them? What's going to happen to me if somebody hears about these hidden things that I'm dealing with? And maybe we don't fully know God. Because here's the thing. If you think that God's going to destroy you when he finds out what the hidden things are, then you don't know God yet. It's not like God was like, oh, didn't see this one coming. Thought Achan was a stand-up guy. You know, it's, No, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And God was able to use this situation to get to the heart of an entire nation to help them to understand, listen, yeah, most people preach on chapter 7, they're talking about how, you know, one bad apple screws up for everybody else. And he did, because God was saying, Israel has sinned against me. The rest of Israel is probably like, well, hey, let's, uh, let's look at this dude over here. This is a guy that kind of screwed up for everybody. It wasn't us. But here's the thing. God's always doing something bigger than just what he's doing in you. When we begin to realize that what we are a part of, listen, is bigger than the part that we play, then we will understand that that's why there's such a great need for us to keep ourselves clean and humble and hungry before the Lord ourselves. Because what happens in you has the power to impact people around you. And so as a church, I want us to get rid of the hidden things that are in our lives because when we are stronger together, the power of God can move more through us to impact our region and beyond. The more, check this out. You can come on one Sunday, and you're like, no, yeah, it was all right. And you can come on another Sunday, and you're like, wow, blah, 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 so great. The presence of God was there. Guess what? He was there the week before. 
Or you interview 10 people who leave church afterwards. How was it? One person's like, my life has changed. Next person, I've heard better. (laughs) You're like, were you in the same room? You know? It's like, why? Well, sometimes when you prepare yourself before you even get into the room and you decide, God, today I'm coming, I'm, I'm just supermaning out. All I'm, you know, pulling back the chest. I want you to see the hidden things, God, because I'm desperate for you to do something in my life. And when we come with that collective hunger for God to move, and not just in the facility, in a building, or in one particular church, because it's bigger than us. And we begin to see that we desire to see God move on our behalf for our region, and for our state, and for our nation, and for the condition of our entire world. When we continue to get our eyes off of ourself, and we begin to realize that God is doing something bigger than us, but he wants us to be a part of it, then it will transform the way that we seek God. Because you can hide or you can seek, but you can't do both. You can hide the things that are inside of you that you got to, come on, you got to admit everybody, God knows. You're not actually hiding anything from God. The only thing you are hiding is the ability of God to deliver you. You're like, well, God, God's powerful. He can do whatever he wants. God works with willing participants. God doesn't force him. He's a gentleman. God doesn't force himself on anybody. God doesn't force you to accept him. God doesn't force you to believe in him. God doesn't force you to to be saved. God doesn't force you to grow. God doesn't force you to do anything. But when you come before him in full surrender and humility, there is a powerful transformation that is freely available for you to grab hold of. And you don't have to rely on your own strength. And you don't have to rely on your own understanding. You don't have to rely on your ability to do better. What you have to rely on is on God's word to be true. And I can tell you that that's one you can take to the bank. Because God's never going to come back on his word. Because he is pure. In the purest sense, we have to remove the hidden things. I love one of these scriptures from Psalm 139. It's actually from King David when he was Uh, going through a really bad patch in his life. He had some hidden stuff in his life that almost cost him everything. And, you know, what was hidden came to light. And here's kind of an ironic thing about how God will work in our life. God loves you. And when when you were young and your parents would say something like, I'm about to whoop your tail, and it's because I love you. And you're like, uh, these things don't add up in my brain right now, you know. It's like God loves you so much that he will Use the events of your life to bring hidden things to the surface, not to embarrass, not to punish, not to humiliate or to hurt you, but to refine you and to purify you and to bring those things out so that they won't continue to be a stumbling block in your life. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my my anxious thoughts. Man, God knows your heart. He knows what he needs to get at. He knows what he wants to remove, and he also knows what he wants to replace it with. Hidden sin. People, oh, I'm so great. Came to church today, hear the pastor talk about all the dirty, nasty sin in my life. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm going to bring the word of God to you because I believe God's trying to take you somewhere. I believe God's trying to take our church somewhere. And we, we can't go where God wants to take us if we're not willing to be obedient to what he's speaking to us. We, we live in a culture, and this is not new. This isn't like in the last 10, 15, 20 years. 
but we live in a culture where, where the word sin has been, has been removed. And it's been removed because if we don't talk about it, then we won't have to feel convicted about it. And if we're not convicted about it, then I don't have to change my ways that are connected to it. And we want to hang on to the nice, pretty things within the gospel about how God always loves me, which he does, and God's grace is all that I need, which it is. But we, we, it's kind of like you cut off half of the sentence because you can't fully receive the full impartation of the grace of God without repentance. Repentance is actually the key that unlocks the fullness of the grace of God. Yeah, everybody lives in a portion of the grace of God. That's why we still have oxygen in our lungs. That's why there's still a chance for people to turn to God. That's why the Bible says that God is slow to anger. He's slow to anger. Other times says that the plan of God from beginning until end has been delayed to make room and time for people who have not yet accepted him. God is patient. And I'm so personally grateful for that in my own life. Maybe you are too. But in Galatians 5, Holy Spirit is speaking through the Apostle Paul. And he says uh, in verse 19, he says, the, the, the cravings of the self-life, which another word that can be used there is our sin nature that every human is born with and has. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality. Now, we don't want to talk about that. It's personal choice. Lustful thoughts. Oh, it's just I can't control it. It's just what's in me. Okay. Pornography. Chasing after things instead of God. Manipulating others. Hatred of those who get in our way. Senseless arguments. Social media. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums, back to social media. <laughs> Angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. Social media. <laughs> being envious of the blessings of others. Murder, let's take it up a notch, okay. Uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behaviors. Man, I know there's been generations past where preachers just kind of hit on this and pounded people and pounded people. But you know what? Even though we've learned from some of the seasons and the, and the history of the church, we've also realized that we've, we've gone away from the things that God has spoken to us that would make us pure in his sight. Where it's not the job of the church or a preacher or anybody else to pound somebody because there is sin in their life. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction on our life so that we can realize, man, I'm not where I could be. I'm not who God created me to be. God didn't create you to struggle with pornography the rest of your life. God didn't create you to be okay with the sexual immorality that you're participating in and then just casting it aside saying, well, it's not, I can't really do anything about it. It's just kind of, it was, it was in my parents and it was in their parents. There's just nothing I could do. No, God's always saying there's something you can do about it. And guess what? I already did it for you. All I need you to do is come before me and seek after me with absolutely everything that you have. God's not asking you to be perfect. Come on, let's get this through our, through our minds, through our spirit. God's not asking us to be perfect, but he's asking us to perfectly surrender and to seek after him. God's a perfect God that if we're willing to allow him, he will take us on a journey of transformation. He will take us on a journey of, of saying no to what we used to be and what we were born into. And yes, maybe the things that were done to us and maybe the things that were passed on to us generationally, but through the blood of Christ, and we talk about blood, Jesus went to the cross and his blood was shed on that cross so that we could be free from the things that were even passed to us generationally. When the blood of Christ is applied to your life through salvation and redemption, you are no longer under the same curse that your the prior generations were under. So stop living within the same excuses. 
Stop blaming other people and say, listen, I'm just going to own it, but I'm going to take this to God. And I'm going to lay it at his feet because he's the one that has the ability to change the way that I live my life and in turn begin to pass that same new DNA that has been cleansed by the blood of Christ, that has been redeemed by the work of God, that has been made new in Christ. You're not a fixed creation in Christ. You are a new creation. And because you are a new creation, guess what? Even your physical DNA begins to change. That's been proved by scientists who don't even believe in God. I love it. I love it when science proves God. Almost like, wow, who knew? But when science begins to prove that even the supernatural, spiritual things that happen inside of us because of faith in Christ, those things begin to get passed on to the next generation. So don't get caught up in the lie that because it was passed on to you, it's probably just going to be passed on to the next generation. Some people are afraid to bring children into this world because they're afraid that what's in them will get passed on. Well, I think there's a simple solution to that, is that be sure of what is inside of you. Get rid of the hidden things inside of you. Begin to identify who you are in Christ as a new creation. You're not going to be violent like the last generation was. Dang, God, somebody, God's speaking to somebody this morning. Come on, you're not, you're not going to pass on a spirit of addiction. You're going to pass on a hunger for God. You're going to pass on healthy marriages. You're going to pass on uh, uh, an atmosphere in your home that raises up and loves children. You're going to do it. But it's not going to be by your strength. It's not going to be by your power. It's going to be because you decided to stop hiding from God and stop hiding the things that are inside of you and begin to seek God with absolutely everything that's inside of you. It's hidden sin. It's hidden hurt. It's hidden brokenness. It's hidden unforgiveness. A little secret about unforgiveness. The only person that you are hurting with your unforgiveness is you. How many times we, we, like, we try to hold something against somebody and we just we let it fester and we, get, we treat people a certain way and everybody else is oblivious to what you're, what you're thinking about. You're like, yeah, I showed them. They're like, they don't even know. No, it's, it's, a, it's a prison that you build that you lock yourself in. Bitterness, pride, unhealthy expectations. John chapter three, it says, uh, it says, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for their fee, for the, for, uh, I'm sorry, let me try this again. I think I can read. They, uh, they refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Listen, when we don't understand who God is, there's a fear that God's going to hurt us if we get rid of the hidden things or we show them. But light is actually not meant to expose you to hurt you. It's actually meant to expose the hidden things so that God can remove them. Throughout Scripture, there's this, there's this uh, comparison of, uh, or, the, or the analogy used of, of refining gold, refining silver. And if you are the gold or silver, it doesn't sound like a fun process. You get heated up so much that all the things, all the impurities that were hidden inside of you, even though on the outside looking in, you're like, wow, it's gold, it's silver, this is fantastic. But the value of what's inside is actually, uh, is actually multiplied when the impurities of what's inside come to the top and they're scraped off. God is looking to shine a light on the sin that maybe you are hiding inside of you, not so that he can judge you, not so he can smack you upside your head, not so that he can prove what a failure you are. It's so that he can bring light and replace what the enemy meant to destroy you with the things of God that are meant to identify you as his son and daughter. It's such a huge difference. It's such a big difference. 
Another one here, just because I wanted to read this. I thought this was good. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says, As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed, and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. I wonder who here today is finding themselves, even as we're talking about this, like your heart's beating a little bit faster. It's making you nervous. You're like, I know there's some things I haven't given to God, or maybe I thought I did, but, but clearly like my hands are sweaty, and I know, God, I just, God, I don't want to hide anymore. I don't want to hide anymore, God. I want to be exposed before you. I want you to remove the things that are in me that are not of you so that I can be closer to you. If you are, if you are hungry with this pursuit, I'm telling you, you won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed because God is so faithful. You can hide or you can seek, but you can't do both. Moses, I'll get you up here on the keys and we'll wrap things up. Will you do me a favor if you take a notes? Go ahead and close up your Bible, close up your notes. When Jesus was interacting with um, not just his disciples, but the crowds that would follow Jesus around him, you know, he, he was, Jesus was aggressive about getting people to follow him. You know, we hear about the ones that say yes, but often wonder, how many said no? Or how many were like, because there's even a, a particular part in the Gospels where he, people like, well, let me do this, and then I'll follow you. Or let me, let me do, take care of these details, and then I'll follow you. And meanwhile, Jesus is just like, okay, all right. So he moves on. And those who follow, follow. You can't control your life and be what God has created you to be. As a matter of fact, the words are in, in red right here in Matthew 16. Jesus says, if, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. Those are strong, those are strong words. Let's just be real. But he goes on from there and he says, and you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own, as you continually surrender to my ways. Come on, I'm telling you, surrender is the key to intimacy with God. But look, he didn't stop there. Verse 25 says, for if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, here we go, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. So I'll say it one more time. You can hide or you can seek, but you can't do both. You do me a favor, we stand up, I wanna pray for you. <clears throat> I, want us to, I want us to do some work right now because every single one of us has a decision to make from this point forward. Are we going to continue to hide things inside of us that we know we've got to give over to God? Like, I, I, I tried before, I tried before, and I keep picking it up again. All right, well, don't quit. Don't quit. Failure doesn't happen because you messed up. Failure happens when you decide to not try again. You didn't fail when you lost. You failed when you decided to stay in that position of loss. Bible tells us that a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. He gets back up again. How does he get back up? Because he realizes it's, it's not in his strength, it's not in his power, it's in the power and the grace and the love of God. So let's do something right now. Let's just take a moment, right where you are. If you can just close your eyes, 
Put your hand on your heart. And make a decision today. Even as David cried out to the Lord, he says, he said, God, search my heart. Search my heart. Right now, let that be your prayer. God, search my heart. God, search my heart. Find the things in me, Lord, that are not of you. Whether it's hidden sin or hurt or brokenness or bitterness, unforgiveness. God, would you help me? When the Holy Spirit is here. Just let God love on you for a moment. God loves you. God's not here to say, I told you so. God's not here to embarrass you. He's not here to punish you. God's here to bring you freedom. The word tells us that it is, it is for freedom's sake that he set us free. And it also says that, that whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. right now, whether it's in your own head or whether you say it to yourself, just be open and honest with the Lord. Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my shortcomings. Forgive me of my pride. Forgive me of my unforgiveness. Forgive me of, of even the brokenness that I've, that I've hung on to and, and not given to you. God, forgive me of the thoughts and the words that I've had towards others. God, forgive us for the ways that we have spoken of others, treated others. Lord, would you change our hearts? Would you transform us? Help us to see people the way that you see them. Do the work inside of us, Father, that only you can do. But God, we invite you into our hearts today. From the inside out, God, we know you're not interested with an outside performance if it's not connected to an inside transformation. God, begin to do an inside transformation, Father. Transform us from the inside out, God. Start in our spirit, Father. Move on to our soul, our mind, will, and our emotions, Father. Would you even move into our bodies and bring restoration and healing into our bodies, God? So that we can be the light as your church, as your people, that our world needs to see. A church that isn't afraid, a church that isn't fearful, a church that isn't scared about what's ahead of us, a church that's not living in some doom and gloom reality, but a church who believes that the best is ahead of us, a church that believes that we get to live and walk in victory because God's already gone ahead of us. That yeah, we gotta show up for battles, but we don't have to wonder about the outcome. That we have to walk out the streets, but it's the streets where everywhere we've put our foot, we are on land and territory, God, that you have given us. So, Father, before we take ground elsewhere, we start with taking ground in our hearts. Father, we repent of our sin. We repent of our shortcomings. And whether it's the thousandth time, God, that we've done so for the same thing, Lord, we come back to you again. And, Father, we've received the complete, the finished work that you did on the cross. We love you, Jesus. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ComboChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, 
and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.